What's up, Nola? Welcome back to the Red Bean Sports Podcast. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about NFL Draft. Uh, a little bit of Pelicans. You know I can't ever leave a podcast without talking about the Pels. Um, uh, some LSU football towards the end of it. Uh, really talking about less about LSU and more about the LSU players that got drafted this year. Uh, and we have a special guest, Brian Bienemy, Brian TNR on Twitter. Make sure y'all follow him. Also, make sure you follow uh, me at at jamdun06 on Twitter, as well as Chris. At, what is what is Chris's uh, Twitter thing? Let me see. Um, at Cold Case 06. So y'all do all that. Hope y'all enjoy the episode and uh, keep coming back, keep sharing, um, keep leaving reviews, all that good stuff. Thanks. Oh, available on iTunes now. Last episode wasn't. It was just on SoundCloud, now on iTunes. So with no further ado, Brian Bienemy, Chris Jefferson, Jamal Dunn, post-draft Red Beam Sports Podcast. Enjoy it, Nola. All right, everybody, welcome back uh, to the Red Bean Sports Podcast. Post-NFL Draft Edition, Chris, tell them what's up. Hold on, everybody. All right, we got a special guest in today, uh, Brian Bienemy, Brian TNR on Twitter. Uh, he's, he's calling in to give us a, a little bit of his opinion on how the NFL Draft went. So, Brian, what's up, man? Nothing much, brother. How you doing, man? Shout out to you, Chris. Thanks for having me on, guys. No problem, man. Thank, thank you for for coming on, man. I was uh, happy you accepted. So, uh, so what did you think? So, I guess first you can give us your thoughts on um, the draft as a whole, and then any kind of prospects that you thought maybe this is your favorite or one a pick where you didn't like it or, or whatever your opinion is. No, no, I'm not gonna say I didn't like the draft at all, man. I actually enjoyed it. It's probably been one of the most enjoyable drafts for me in quite some time. You know, it was. It was pretty much exactly what I wanted it to be. It was pure chaos, and I loved it that way. You had three wide receivers go in a top ten picks. I don't know when the last time that's even happened, especially for the teams that actually went wide receiver. Uh, also, you had uh, teams trading back up to get quarterbacks, which hasn't happened in a very long time as well, especially in the first round like that. So I definitely loved every bit of what happened with the draft. A lot of offensive guys that – that we thought were going to go later in the first round actually wound up going early in the first round. So the draft gave me everything that I wanted it to. Cool, yeah. I thought the draft was like just just beyond the Saints, at, you know, like you were saying, it was one of the more entertaining drafts, especially first round, one of the more entertaining drafts that, that I can remember in a while. Normally nothing happens. You know, it's just people talking about trades and never happened. But, uh, but yeah, I was shocked to see – all those offensive players go early because all we ever heard about coming into this whole draft was how great the defensive players were and how the top, you know, you know, 15 or top 20 were defensive guys. And then the NFL just like, fuck all that. <laughs> like we just, <laughs> like, we just gonna do what we want to do. And then, uh, but the, the most surprising part, and, and, and tell me what you think about this. Cause I was talking to Chris about this this weekend. That dumb trade Ryan Pace made at number two, 
the move up to number one where the Niners probably weren't going to take Trubisky anyway. I felt like, you know how everybody was complaining about the Saints always making them type of trade-up oh, yeah. moves where you give up a bunch of picks? I started thinking, was Ryan Pace, was he that guy? Was he the dude in the room that kept saying, just give all the picks up. We don't need those. We're we using picks for it. Damn, like, it damn sure looked like, like it. Like, because ever, ever since he left, they stopped doing all that all that trash. And now he gives up two-thirds and, uh, I don't know, I think it was a two-thirds and a sixth or seventh or something to move up one spot. Making John Lynch, who should have never been hired as GM, who, who never had a job in the NFL other than a player, making him look good. Anyway, I got, I got other words for John Lynch. Man, I'll I tell you this, bro. It's crazy the way that trade went down especially to move up one spot. The only thing I can say is that maybe John Lynch being a former player, you know, maybe, you know, couldn't keep his mouth closed. Maybe he called Chicago and said, hey, you know what, guys? Somebody's trying to get this pick for me right now. So it's either you make a move or I'm trading a pick to them, which made Chicago panic. Other than that, I can't see a reason in, in the world why, you know, Chicago would give up that much to move up one spot. And, Chicago, and San Francisco was definitely going defense with that pick. So, uh, you know, it definitely did remind you of those old Saints moves in which they give up four or five picks to move up a couple of spots and draft a guy who's probably not going to do much. I've never been sold on Mr. Trubisky, especially if you're talking about a guy with only 13 starts. I don't ever remember seeing a North Carolina game and was like, wow, Mr. Trubisky. And you gave up, a, you know, a pretty good ransom in, in order to get up one spot to get him. So Chicago better hope. It's exactly, you know, Mitch Trubisky is exactly what they hope he is, which is a franchise quarterback, because I think Ryan Pace just sealed his fate, and he'll probably be, you know, more likely fired by next year. Hey, man, if John Lynch did that, <clears throat> he is pretty damn smart, now that you say that. Because I was sitting there like, man, they gave up what? <laughs> exactly. <who? laughs> oh, man. Yeah, John. And then, so let's just stay on the topic of John Lynch right now, because uh, John John Lynch ruined my day in other ways. Now, now yeah. I'll say this: I don't mind Ryan Ramchek. Like, if if it was really like the Saints say, where Ramchek was by far the highest dude on their board, and he was projected as a mid first rounder, you know, by most people. So I, I think they're telling the truth there. But so I don't mind Ryan Ramchek, and with the injuries that Armstead's had and Streif on his way out. I understand that it's actually a need pick, but I wanted, I wanted Ruben. Everybody wanted Ruben. Like it, it everybody wanted Ruben Foster because it would have just been such a good dynamic to get him and uh, Lattimore together. Two of the top, the people, some people were saying two of the top five people in the draft, and just give the Saints another athletic uh, defender. Until John Lynch, using Ryan Pace's picks, <laughs> trades back in front to get a uh, Foster. So, Brian, would you have preferred Foster to Ramcheck or are you just cool with Ramcheck? No, I'm actually cool with Ramcheck, but I can also understand why everybody wanted Ruben Foster. I mean, he, I, the, the thing that I don't like is when I see fans saying, well, the Saints should have traded up. Why trade up when Ruben Foster was basically about to, you know, fall into your laps? In fact, you know, you, you let Ruben Foster tell it. He had already spoken to the Saints and they're like, hey, we're about to draft you. And then San Francisco calls him and says, nah, now nah, you're coming with us. So it was pretty much like, you know, he got kidnapped. He was right there for the Saints. They were, he was about to fall in their lap. They didn't have to trade any picks or move up. And all of a sudden, Ruben Foster's right there. And, you know, John Lynch pulls that move and he, and he grabs him. But the, the, the thing is, is that when you get a guy like Ryan Ramchick, again, like you said, it's not like it's not a need pick. 
Saints definitely needed a tackle. He was a, a very highly rated tackle, and the only thing I could think of is that why reach for a defensive end? And I think that's one of the problems that most fans have is that, well, you, you know, you didn't get a defensive player or a pass rusher at 32 when you could have got one. Well, the problem is there were any pass rushers worth the 32nd pick. Yeah. I, I definitely think Ramchek is worth that 32nd pick, and you have it for five years. You got one year of Streif left. So even if you say he can't beat Street off, you know, Streif out this year, here's what you do have. 25, 25, 23, and 23. What am I talking about? Teron Armstead, 25. You've got uh, Andres Pete being 23. You've got Larry Warford being 25. And now you've got Ramchek being 23. That's what I call building an offensive line to keep number nine standing straight for the next five years. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a small comment. Um, and also, and tell me what you think about this. I think the Saints, like what they what they did this offseason, and I'm kind of excited about about it from an offensive perspective because they uh, so they go out and sign Warford, who's one of the best run blockers in the league. Uh, they already have Unger, who's who really helped the offensive line last year, um, and they have Pete, who's now comfortable in that left guard, and hopefully Armstead's healthy this year. If the line stays healthy, and by the line I mean Tyron Armstead. If they stay healthy, they have a chance to be to really do like some cowboy type shit where where they can go out and just keep their terrible defense off the off the field by uh, by running the ball, controlling the clock, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, do, do you see the same thing I'm seeing, especially like with also signing Peterson? I know people have kind of talked about that with the Saints in the past, but it seems like this year they might actually be planning to do it. Here's the thing: I don't. I don't, you know, disagree with anything you just said right there. They're definitely going to go to a more of a power game, but it's not going to be Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, Pittsburgh, you know, Baltimore. It's not going to be that type of offense still because as long as you have Drew Brees, Sean Payton is going to throw the ball. This is something we all understand. This now is that it, it goes back to that 2009 team, if you will, and I know I hate to bring that up because people always, you know, look at like to compare and contrast, and, and, you know, that's the Super Bowl year, so it's a little bit hard to sell, but, the Saints were the sixth best team in rushing because they had Bushrod, they had, you know, uh, Carl Nix, they had uh, uh, Jonathan Goodwin in the middle, they also had Jari Evans and Zach Streif. You pretty much recreated that type of offensive line. You've got Unger in the middle, you've got Pete and Armstead on the left side, you know, barring health, of course. You've got Warford and and Streif on the right side, or possibly Ramchick, depending on how it plays out, but I mean, you definitely have an offensive line that can play power football, but the biggest thing about the Saints is that they don't have to play power football early. The Saints were built to, take, to, to have a team that takes the lead early, keep the defense off the field, but make, make offenses one-dimensional. If the Saints are up on you, te- well, well when, they were, you know, when they were good, when the Saints were up on you 10 or 12, 13 points, you weren't catching them because everybody in the building knew you had to throw the ball to catch up with them because the offense would score at any clip. That's what made the Saints dangerous, and I think that's what Sean Payton is trying to recreate. That's why you see a guy like Kamara being picked, and you see the Saints working on offensive guys. It's simply because when the Saints are deadly, their offense builds a big lead. They get to pin their ears back and play defense and play for turnover football. Definitely going to run the clock out, but that's always in the fourth quarter. We remember seeing Mike Bell come in and be the closer when, when, when the Saints were, you know, yeah, exactly. You know, when the Saints were good. Whoa. We're talking about, you know, 09 you know, 2010, that's when the Saints were at their best, when they built the big lead and they ran the clock out because they had that lead. Really used to bring that thump. 
<laughs> yeah, but, and he never did nothing, nothing else ever again in his career. But boy, boy, but he had a good season that year. So, um, so I guess we can talk about the rest of the draft. So after the first round, they get Marcus Williams, who I really like Marcus Williams. Like, um, I liked him before the draft. I, I, I really thought the Saints were going to go with a pass rusher um, with the second round pick. I think everybody did. But when they didn't, you know, I was, he was a player who I wasn't mad that they got him uh, when they did. Then Alvin Kamara, uh, it's kind of weird trading a second round pick, but, but I kind of get it. If you really like him and the way Loomis kind of sold it, he was like, well, we view him as our second round pick, you know, getting our second round pick early, which I guess so, because they gave up that pick to move back into the third, uh, which I actually prefer to them maybe giving away the three that they had and maybe only getting Kamara in the third round. So I actually think that was a, a decent move. And I got a little inside information on uh, Alex Al... I don't even know how you say his name. Alex Alazoni, Lord? My cousin actually plays on that team, so he was telling me about this cat. And he was like, he can really, really, really play, but he's always hurt. So, you know, uh, he'll fit right in on our defense. Uh, yeah, you know, press... <laughs> Saints right now pretty much lead the league in people that's, you know, applying for Medicaid and Medicare benefits, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. They definitely need the, the affordable, affordable care. Act. They, uh, so, yeah. And beyond that, um, the other guys I got were Troy Hendrickson, who apparently is a – he's a defensive man out of Florida, Atlantic, but apparently he's like a hell of an athlete. Like, I was looking at his, um, his stats. You wouldn't think that coming out of Florida of Atlantic, but he has some of the best – you know, physical stats in terms of 40 time, broad jump, all that stuff they measure at the combine. He was one of the top defensive ends uh, and had good production too, but just came out of Florida Atlantic. Um, and so, you know, they might have a little sleeper there. And then they have the kid, the kid from Miami who, I don't know, he seemed like a headache. He's kind of like a, from what I read about him, he's got some off the field issues, nothing like criminal or anything, but He's been kicked off the team a couple of times, stuff like that. So, um, what did you think of the bottom of their draft? You know what? Uh, for as much as you know, people may disagree with this, man. I actually don't mind them getting a the guy from uh, Miami. Uh, Muhammad is the last name. I can't pronounce the yeah. first. I think it's Al Al, Al Queen or something like that. Muhammad, but I love his game simply because if you look at his his measurables and the way he plays when he's on the field. And of course, you did mention that you know he was kicked off the team a couple of times. It was nothing major, but when you look at his game, his game translates really well, and we all know Miami can produce some good defensive players. Yeah. But when it comes to his off-the-field things, he got into a fist fight, and, you know, let, let's kind of be real about this. We all know people can antagonize football players when they want to get at them. Oh, you suck. You, you know, you had a bad game. I knock your ass out. All kind of things like that. And you're looking at a dude that's 6'4", 255, and you're sitting there, you know, chirping after you didn't have a couple yeah. of drinks. I can understand why you might get popped in the mouth, you know, as far as, you know, the other thing, it's, it's a rental car dealership. Let, let, come on, let's all be honest. You're in college. You don't really have any money. You get a hookup on luxury rental cars. Nobody's turning that down. Nah, I'm taking it. Nah. <laughs> I'm taking no, it. I mean, <laughs> let, let, exactly. I mean, you, you, I, I don't even have to be in college right now. If somebody says, you know what, you get to drive this Bentley for a week or two, <laughs> give it to me. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I just think, I think a lot of it is overblown. And I think, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say, you know, he doesn't have issues that are concerned because it's more of a maturity thing. But when I think about what exactly it is that he's done, I'm not sitting there shaking my head saying, you know what, that's not a guy we need on the team. I don't think it's that serious, especially when you consider he's a college kid doing this type of stuff. And 
I'm not trying to excuse anything that he's done, but I'm like, come on. You know, I, I think some of the stuff that the NCAA does gets, gets overblown a whole lot. You can't get certain. Like, if, you know, if a kid takes a suit from a sponsor to, to go to an event that, that Miami is throwing, he actually is an NCAA violator now. And I don't really think it, it makes sense. You can't work so you can't work too many hours. You can't practice too many hours. You have to go to class a certain amount of hours, and yet still you want me to find a way to attend a banquet that I have no money to go to. I just think sometimes the NCAA needs to relax, and this is one of those issues where it was a rental car. It's not like somebody gave him the car, you know, a brand-new Ferrari because he had three sacks in the game. <laughs> it's crazy. As far as uh, Trey Hendrickson is concerned, man, I think Florida Atlantic, you know, another one of those. He reminds me a lot of, uh, of DeMarcus Ware when DeMarcus Ware came out because he came out of nowhere at, like, an Appalachian State, Florida Atlantic, those type of schools, man. They can produce some athletes that could be sleepers. And now, you know, other than that, you look at the rest of the draft picks, of course, I'm like you. I like Marcus Williams a lot. He's going to play that ball hawking, free safety style of defense. And if you, if you paid attention to anything the Saints have done this offseason, Sean Payton is not fooling me. Sean Payton is trying to recreate a formula that he believes works. What formula was that? In 2006, he started picking guys, and then he molded them into the 2019. It's the same situation all over again. Picking a ball hawking, free safety. That remind you guys of anybody had a ball hawking, free safety back in 2009. You're getting, you know, you're getting corners that, 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 can, that are big physical guys that can play. Last time the Saints drafted a corner out of Ohio State, nope. 2009. What number did he wear? Number two. Just, it just seems familiar to me. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's actually. So everything that the Saints are doing, is just, you know, it, it's the same type of thing they did in 2009. For 2009 offseason, what they do? They didn't sign big-name free agents. They went and made a few moves here and there, you know, got them a linebacker here, made a trade here, just, you know, a few little moves, and all of a sudden, here you go. So I'm not saying they're going to go to the Super Bowl this year. I don't want anybody to get that confused when they listen to the podcast. But what I'm saying is that Sean Payton is trying to recreate something that he believes works. And I'm not, I'm not mad at him for trying. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, um, with Sean, though, I don't know. I, I guess that could lead us to a bigger, a bigger conversation because this, this feels like and this organization, I always try to tell people who aren't Saints fans, is like it's, it's a different situation from basically any team in the league in terms of uh, being accountable to the owner because the owner probably hasn't known what's been going on for the last three, four years. And essentially, you know, Peyton is, is there as long as his homeboy, Mickey Loomis, will allow him to be. And Loomis, same thing. Nobody's going to fire Loomis, right? Loomis is in all kind of other businesses with, with Benson. Agreed. With Benson. So they're not going anywhere. So it's a weird situation where, like, you'll see – I always hear national people talk about uh, Sean Payton's on the hot seat. I'm like, eh, maybe. I, I mean, eventually, yeah, he would get fired. But I'm not sure even if they had another 79 season. I know the fans would be ready. And maybe Sean might step down and try to go somewhere else. But the shine might be off him too much for him to even try that next year, you know. So um, it, it's just a real interesting year. And I, I just kind of don't know – what's going to happen. I don't know if you have any opinion on it. I mean, no, you hit the nail on the head, man. I think way too many people outside of New Orleans like to get it confused on who exactly Sean Payton is and what he is. Sean Payton is the, the right hand to the right hand. If you're looking at T-Benz and you're saying he's the godfather, well, Dennis Lauscher is the man that runs the day-to-day operations. He loves Mickey Loomis. Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton are, are pretty much a team. By default, kind of like the GM. You know, Mickey will have final say, but it's almost like, well, let me see if I can make it work. I always use this example. If Sean Payton wants a, a specific player, let's say Adrian Peterson, he'll tell Mickey, hey, Mickey, what do you think about Adrian Peterson? 
Mickey will then respond something like, let me see how the numbers work out. That's exactly how the Saints sign players, and that's how they, they pretty much go about drafting them. How can it work financially? That's Mickey's job. Sean's job is saying, this is who I want to coach. And that's why I don't think, you know, Sean stepping down may be the only way he gets fired. I don't think he'll ever get fired. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, as you alluded to, how much of a shine he's going to have on him, somebody is going to pay Sean Payton if he ever leaves the Saints. In fact, I think, I think some people will fire their coaches in order to get Sean Payton if he leaves. I mean, it, let's be honest about this one part. Sean Payton won a Super Bowl with the Saints. The perennial losers of the NFL, and he took them and won a Super Bowl with them. So I think because he's done that, other teams will look at him and say, well, maybe he could do that for us. You know, you know maybe it's the Indianapolis Colts. Like, you know what, maybe if we, you know, give him Andrew Luck and the defense, maybe he can win. So somebody's going to come a calling if Sean ever steps down. But I don't think he's going anywhere. The fact that Sean Payton is drafting guys to kind of fit what he wants to do lets me know he's thinking about staying around a couple of years as well as keeping number nine healthy. If Drew ever walks away, I think that's the day Sean leaves. Yeah, I can't. Be- I can't. I couldn't believe Sean was ever talking about leaving because he was never, ever, 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 ever gonna find another situation like this one where he's essentially, unless he um, has a falling out with somebody, is not gonna get fired. Um, you know, I mean, I, there is a point where they would fire him, obviously, if they went, you know, won three games next year or something. But, but you know, as long as it's somewhat respectable, which he's been able to at least keep him in the somewhat respectable column, uh, then I don't think he's going to get fired. And so it's, it's just one of them strange situations where uh, I don't even understand why he was entertaining L.A. Because, or, or, or any of these other teams. The first time, it made sense because I was like, oh, you're just trying to get you a raise because he didn't have – he only had a year left on his contract or, or maybe it was almost up. Um, yeah. And so that made perfect sense. I was like, okay, you, every coach tries to do that if he can, if he has the leverage. But, uh, but, yeah, then last year I was like, what are you even doing? You're going to go to L.A. where they're going to lose forever because they got that terrible quarterback. And, um, and they're going to actually fire you. Although that's the only other team where I can say they've, they've uh, sort of accepted mediocrity as long, right, as it, in, in L.A. Yeah, with Jeff Fisher being there. So I, don't, I have no idea how that yeah. happened. So maybe, maybe it was that. Maybe he was like, let me get to the next owner who don't care about well, I guess Vincent cares. He just he's just old. That's all it is. But but uh Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't underestimate Mr. Benson when it comes to whether or not he understands winning and losing. Because, I mean, even if people want to say he's you know you know of, of you know having bouts of you know, I know what the jokes are he's having bouts of Alzheimer's or he's senile at this <laughs> point or whatever like that. Here's the he's thing heavyweight fights with Alzheimer's. <laughs> You know, every every now and every now and then, those people who have Alzheimer's and they, you know the people that are senile or whatever you want to call them, every now and again they have lucid moments yeah. and they remember exactly what's going on. And I'm pretty sure on those days, T. Benz can actually look at the record. Wait, wait, three straight seven and nines. When did this happen? So <laughs> I'm pretty sure on those times, you know, he kind of sends the message. That's why he's able to come out every now and again and you know make a comment like you know things got to change. I wouldn't be surprised if not if everything is wrapped up with the with the Saints. I wouldn't be surprised if you start to see heads roll on the other side with the Pelicans. But every now and then, T. Benz is going to have a moment to where he remembers who the hell he is. <laughs> and that's when you'll see him, you know, start to kind of fire up everybody and tell him, you know what, seven and nine, three straight years is unacceptable. You better do something about it. We've been waiting to hear something on the Pelicans forever. Uh, same here, man. Same <laughs> here. I think the only thing that held up, you know, everything with the Pelicans is because, you know, let's be honest, man, everything going on with New Orleans is always going to be Saints first. Yeah. But. It's not going to surprise me to see heads roll within the next, you know, within the next month or so. They still got some time before I think June is the NBA draft. So 
So they still got plenty of time before anything takes place. Yeah, I think last time they made a a change with Monty, it was actually even later than this. But yeah. uh, but but yeah, it is surprising because. But this is the one. This is the reason why I, I kind of want Loomis to step aside on the Pelicans thing and hire an actual president of basketball operations, because it sometimes feel feels like. And I I understand he can chew, and uh, you know walk and chew at the same time and. And, you know, there's lots of people running multiple businesses, right? You know, those executive types. But um, yeah. at the same time, it's still always better to have a guy or, or female who's concentrating on the one job, not not splitting between two and three jobs. Um, you know, not when not when your job is to run a a, a pro sports team. You know? So that I would that's what I really want to see. I would like to see like somebody like maybe Jeff Van Gundy come in and just be a team president and hire his own GM, something, something like that. Um, yeah, but, I, don't get me wrong. I, I agree with you here, but l- let me just run it down to you. Mickey Loomis doesn't have a lot to do with the Pelicans. I know I know. in name alone, yeah. it looks like, you know, vice president of operations or president of basketball. Mickey Loomis does nothing. Dell Demps runs that organization as far as, you know, general manager capacity. And but all the – it's almost the same – Exactly. If Mickey Loomis can fire Dell Dems, let, 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 you know, let, let me not you know, make any mistake about that. Let me be clear. Mickey Loomis can fire him at any time. And, again, I think that's going to happen more sooner than later. But the idea of it all is that Mickey Loomis is basically the go-between. Dell Dems says, I wanna, I'm thinking about trying to get Boogie Cousins. He brings it to Mickey Loomis. Mickey Loomis, I, I'm thinking about getting him. Hey, Mickey asks, how much is it going to cost? Oh, really? We can do that for that price? Okay, cool. Make it happen. That's pretty much what happens on that because Mickey doesn't have the wherewithal to know. Now, mind you, Mickey might place a phone call or two. He might reach out to a guy like maybe Joe Dumars and say, hey, listen, Dell's thinking about doing this. What do you think about the move? And that way he has a sounding board. But I agree with you. I'd love to see Joe Dumars, Jeff Van Gundy, you know, maybe somebody like that come in and, and take the reins as far as day-to-day operations. But that's not Mickey Loomis' job. I think Mickey Loomis may walk across the parking lot maybe once or twice a week just to find <laughs> out what's going on. <laughs> I, I, it's all Saints all the time. So uh, don't get me wrong, I agree with you. They, the Pelicans need a guy to day-to-day operations. I have to be, it has to be 24-7 basketball all the time. But I think Mickey gets a bad rap on exactly what it is that he does for the Pelicans, and it's really not a lot. Yeah. I, I, and now it's interesting that you think that uh, that they are going to f- fire Dell, and I, I assume Gentry too if Dell's gone, But uh, because I, I actually don't think that they're going to do it. I think that I think Dell. I don't necessarily agree with this, but I think Dell earned not earned himself, but bought himself some some time with the Cousins trade. And obviously, if Dell stays, it doesn't make sense for Dell to to, to leave. I mean, uh, to stay in the Gentry leave and you know let Dell sign a three year contract with some other coach that Benson's gonna have to pay. Uh, so I don't know. I it's, it feels like now I would love to see them move a different direction, assuming. They actually hire a real, you know, person, right? It's always about who you hire, not necessarily who you fire. You can you can fire mm-hmm. Dan Dempsey and hire Boo Boo the Clown, and and you know it's not gonna be, it's not gonna feel so good. So, but yeah, I, I think they I think I think they're gonna stay. Like I don't think they're gonna do anything about it until after next year. I think we're gonna see how the boogie thing plays out. Here's why I feel like Dell may be fired. It's simply because when I look at the way the Pelicans are currently built. Doesn't it seem like a team that Monty Williams should be coaching? It doesn't yeah, seem like yeah, it fits yeah. Alvin Gentry. 
So that's why I think Dell has to go. And it, it, maybe he doesn't. You know, I, may, I, I could be totally wrong on this. My gut feeling says, you know, eventually he'll walk out the door. Maybe he bought himself some time with the trade. Maybe he did. But I just feel like Dell Dems is the master of a backwards roster. He built a roster for Alvin Gentry under Monty Williams. And he built a, a roster for Monty Williams under Alvin Gentry. It just seems like there's no plan in place. And I don't personally think Alvin Gentry can coach Boogie and AD. I think he's more of a guard-heavy type of guy. That's why you saw that the system in Golden State work so well, because he had so many guards he could help out. And as we see, anybody can coach Golden State and win 30 games. Yeah. So I, I, it kind of makes you question Gentry a little bit. I'm not, think, I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but I just don't know if he's the right guy to lead this team. And I definitely don't believe Dell Dimps is the right guy to be the GM. You give contracts to Omir Ashik. He can't play in the system. In fact, he's, just, he's a waste of space there. You, you know, you traded for Quincy Pondexter after you traded him away. You brought him back. He hasn't played, you know, a single game in almost like three years now. You know, you, 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 try, you signed Eric Gordon because you didn't want to feel stupid about the Chris Paul trade. And, I mean, it's just, it's just bad move after bad move after bad move. The only thing Dell seems to do well is find those, you know, those undrafted rookie free agent type things that, you know, like the, the diamonds and the rough type guys. When you find a guy, you know, a guy like Jamal Crawford, I'm sorry, Jordan Crawford off the scrap heap, and he kind of comes in and balls out. That's yeah, the only thing it seems like Dell can do well. So, you know, to kind of borrow a thing from the Saints, I mean, he can find undrafted free agents, but he can't draft anybody. And drafting AD, it was pretty much a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, like, Dell, Dell, he's so confusing to me because it, the thing I understand about the Eric Gordon trade is any other GM in the league, I, I do understand that, that GMs, when they make a trade, especially when it's time for that player to get a new contract, they want to feel like, well, the trade we made was good, good, and so that's why we re-signed the guy. Like, that's what they wanted to look like. Yes. But the problem is, I didn't even think Dell ha- had, to, had to do that. He didn't have to be forced into that because it wasn't even his trade. It was a league trade, you know, that Stern had, had, had come exactly. in and hooked it all up. So nobody was going to blame him if Gordon walked because it wasn't, it wasn't the player he wanted anyway, you know? So he could have he easily walked away from that, but... It comes back to the point I made on the last podcast where I was talking about how Dell always doubles down on the, on the mistake. And that's what I don't like about him. Like, I was, I was talking to somebody uh, at work uh, uh, the other day, and we were talking about um, Houston, the, the Texans. And I was, yes. and we were talk, I was t- saying how much I respected Houston's GM because they made that trade for Osweiler. They gave up the picks. They gave up all that money to him. And then in one year, when they saw what was going to happen, they didn't do what most franchises do, which is wait four or five years until the contract's up, and then finally admit that it was a mistake. He bit the bullet. They, they was going to have to pay that money to Osweiler one way or the other. didn't matter whether he was on the roster or not. So they paid him out the guaranteed money, traded him, had to give up some other picks just to get somebody to take him. But that's a bet. That's, even though it's a mistake, that's the kind of mistake you want to see your GM make because – he admits the mistake and then just moves on quickly. Like, fail quickly is what Bill Parcells used to always say. You know, if you're going to make a mistake, make it quick, admit the mistake, and move on. Dale, Again, you nailed it. I mean, that's like Holiday. Yeah, it's exactly like Holiday. And the main reason I want Dale fired is because I think he's going to try to re-sign Holiday to a, if not max, a near-max deal. And that is going to – that's going to hamstring them even more than they're already hamstrung with Ashik and Solomon Hill and all the rest of them. So, uh, Dell, uh, we need to hope he's out. The only reason he wasn't out last time was because um, 
like, and this is what I always say, if you can get an elite coach to come to your team, you do it. Just like an elite player. If you have an elite player that wants to come, it really doesn't matter what's on your roster or what's going on. You just take him and you kind of figure it out. Well, they, last summer they had, or not uh, last summer, but before they hired Gentry, they had Thibodeau and Jeff Van Gundy both wanting to come. Only reason they didn't come was because they want to be team president and hire their own GM. So, yeah, that's, that's basically my, my main problem with Dell is that he doesn't know how to fail. Um, you gotta, when you make a mistake now, also in the NBA, that's, it's harder. It's not as easy to just give up a draft pick and get, get rid of somebody on a four- or five-year deal like, like the Texans did. So, but that's my problem with him. And you're not going to get one of those elite coaches without Dell being gone because they're going to want to bring in their own GM and they're going to want to be president of basketball operations. And Dell is standing in the way of that, so. Yeah, I, I think, that, you know, I think for this hire, I think the Pelicans need to get somebody, man, with, with, some, with some clout. You know, get somebody that has a name, get a Jeff Van Gundy, somebody like that. Bring in somebody who, you know, is, is going to basically, you know, instill confidence in your fan base and the organization, period, that he knows what the hell he's doing. Because if not, you'll just be, you know, doing making the same mistake over and over again, and it just doesn't make sense to do it that way. Yeah, I just want to – I just want to – a coach slash GM slash whatever personnel person who can get the meeting. Like you don't have to always sign the player. I understand there's other teams that want guys and you're not going to, most of the time you're not going to get the guy you want, but uh, at least you want somebody like a Van Gundy or somebody else, uh, a bird who's available now. I don't know if he would be interested at all, but somebody who big time players see, or even not even big time players, but just regular players see and will actually give them the respect of giving them the meeting whether or not they sign with him. So, Brian, I got a question for you, man. How far off do you think the Pelicans are really off from competing in the West? Huh. Uh, man, that's a, that's a really, really good question, man. I'll be honest with you. I think when you say competing, it depends on what you mean by that. I, right, to be honest, right now they should be competing for at least the eighth seed in the playoffs. Yeah. You can you that's... can blame it on health if you want to blame it on health, but I, I think it's just bottom line. The Pelicans just are they're poorly constructed. And the guys that they need to step up don't. I mean, I'll put it th- this way. If Drew Holiday doesn't miss, like, maybe the first 20 to 30 games of the season, I think maybe the Pelicans are fighting for a playoff spot. But I think once you have that take place and then you add Boogie and now everybody has to kind of get acclimated to playing with Boogie, I think this should have been a year that the Pelicans should have been competing for a, 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 at least the eight seed. I think they're about a year away depending on who they bring in as coach, if they make any moves. And also, they need shooters. That's something they don't have. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah you, know, you need definitely need some shooter. You need to open up the floor for AD and Boogie to operate underneath because they can play that two man, you know, high low game all day long. But Drew Holiday is pretty much for as good as he can be. He's a turnover machine. You know, he, he'll get you, he'll get you ten assists, but he'll give you also eight turnovers. Yeah. So maybe that, you know, maybe he's better off playing off the ball. I just think that you know the Pelicans need to definitely fortify, you know, a few moves here and there. They don't even have to break the bank to do it because you still have to resign Boogie. So, you know, just make a few moves. They should compete for the eighth spot at least next year. They should be competing for a top four spot two years from now if they can re-sign Boogie and if they can, you know, get some shooters to help out. You think they got any shot of getting like a, like a Patty Mills or J.J. Redick this offseason? I think J.J. Redick, considering that he's never made it out the first round of the playoffs, and if he has, you know, it's only been once, I think J.J. Redick might want to go to a contender. But why not New Orleans if they throw the money at him? Because you know what you're getting in A.D. and Boogie. You're going to get lots of open shots. So I could definitely see a guy like J.J. Redick being on, you know, being on their radar. I don't know if they'll be able to pull it off, but I can see him being on the radar. 
Uh, I think another guy, I think uh, the guy uh, Chandler Parsons, I think, you know, he may be available for Memphis. You may be able to swing that trade because he hasn't really done anything much for them. So I think they're going to go after shooters this offseason, but I don't really know how well they'll do in that area. Yeah. I start with J.J. Reddick and go from there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Chandler Parsons, I don't know because he's been hurt so much, and the last thing they exactly. need is another injured player. But, but he is better than Solomon Hill when he's right. But he's not right. So am I. Yeah. <laughs> Solomon, like, honestly, though, that's that's my one. Like, if there's anywhere the Pelicans can improve, it would be, like, I would lock all my assistant coaches in the gym with him and be like, look, you're going to hit this corner three, or, you, or you'll never see your wife again. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> I'm going to need you to hit 40% of these. Yeah, because it's so frustrating watching because Boogie actually, one thing I that surprised me, because I didn't watch him, but not a whole lot in Sacramento. and uh, But his passing really is what surprised me about him. Like, he, he really is a good passer. and uh, But he would pass these guys on the perimeter of some games, and it would just be, like, terrible. Uh, you couldn't even – like, you knew as soon as a dude caught it that it was going to be a brick. And even the dudes who were supposed to be able to shoot, uh, like uh, Etwan Moore, who actually did have a good season. Uh, but it almost feels like sometimes they get into this mode where the whole team, like once Solomon is off to a terrible start, the team is like, all right, we know what time it is. It's time It's time to suck tonight. This is the night. We're going to let Tim Frazier take 25 shots. And that's how we're going to do it. So, yeah, I, I, really, don't, I really don't know what the Pels are, are going to do. And, and honestly, I think you're right that the roster doesn't fit into, but I don't know, man. Like if you bring in another another coach, it really doesn't matter unless they fix the other thing you were talking about, which is the shooting. Because I was watching the Clippers this is during the regular season, and DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin ran this little side pick and roll, uh, and I and I just could imagine AD and Boogie doing that, but you really couldn't because they would just have every you know all five guys in the lane. And AD would probably get stripped or something like that. So, um, if I'm them, I'm going after all shooters, whoever you can find. Honestly, we traded. I wish they could have kept Galloway. That that really kind of hurt them. We were playing pretty well from being up. I don't know, man. I, yeah. This team. Uh, if I had to guess on when they would be a contender, if they're a contender at all, I don't know. Maybe two years from now, and that's if you make all the right moves. Yeah, I got to agree with that, man. As far as Solomon Hill, man, I think the, the problem with Solomon Hill is between his ears. And it's simply somebody needs to explain to him, you're not a jump shooter, dude. Like, as you said, lock him in there, let him learn one thing and one thing only. You Learn to shoot the corner three. That's all you really need, man, is to get people out of the lane. I mean, there was times I'd watch, you know, Boogie penetrate. Or, I mean, he was more of a point guard distributor than, than Holiday in some games. But, I mean, you kick it out to – I mean – they're so bad that the defense don't even close out. They're like, shoot it, shoot it. You know, ain't gonna yeah, that's exactly that's exactly how it works. So, you know, just to finish that point on Solomon Hill, man, he just needs to be a slasher. He'll be fine, man. I think that's the problem. If he could ever learn how to attack the basket, he'll be just fine. When he, when he's doing that, he's okay. Also, he needs a barber. Oh, ASAP. Yeah. <laughs> I got a quick question for you, man. Uh, Saints fans are one another. Do you think the Malcolm Butler deal is dead? I don't. I don't think it's dead. But I'll say this. 
you know, uh, Malcolm Butler has a while. He hasn't reported to anything that the Patriots are doing. I don't think it's dead, but it, it, I mean, it, it may be on, you know, it may be on a bad street, if you know what I'm saying. Like, you know, he yeah. may. May, he may not be popped just yet, but he, you know, he in the projects right now. So it's not dead just yet, but it's, it's close enough. I still think it could happen at any moment. Mickey Loomis didn't close the door on it when he was asked about it during the, uh, during the draft. You know, somebody, yeah. asked, somebody asked him, you know, about it, and he was like, well, we'll see. So I don't think it's dead just yet. It could still happen, but I don't know what the Saints will give up at this point. You give up a first-round pick, you're pretty much idiots because you already gave up a second-round pick to get Kamara. So I don't yeah. – I don't think they're going to give up a first round. And if you give up a third, that means you have a first and a fourth now. And I believe, didn't they give up a fourth already for next year? Could have yeah. been. So, I mean, it's, it's a little bit weird if you're going to give away all your draft picks. But, I mean, you know, if the Saints are going all in because number nine is, you know, climbing up in age, then who cares about draft picks? Because he's not, you know, the, the person that you need to pull the trigger won't be there. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with, with Malcolm Butler, like I always thought uh, that they were going to make a deal after the draft. Like, I thought – I didn't think they were going to give up a pick this time because it just seemed too stupid to, like, oh, we're going to trade Cooks for a first and a third and then trade the first back for it. That don't, that's stupid. Um, so I always thought they were going to do the second-round pick in the following draft. But then they, like you said, traded that pick. And then, then I started thinking, well, maybe it really is dead because, I mean, what else are you going to give up? You don't want to give up a first. You don't want to give up a third. So maybe a fifth or a sixth. But then the Patriots are like – the only way I could see it really happening is if the Patriots, which they never do, but if they were to sort of give in to uh, the player demands because if you think about Malcolm Butler, the dude came in undrafted, uh, played his way into the starting lineup, you know, obviously made the big plays in the Super Bowl, but also, you know, made an all-pro team, which is you know, unheard of for an undrafted dude. And then he has to sit there and watch them sign Stephen Gilmore, who's won absolutely nothing in Buffalo for the last four years. And they got to watch him sign up, whatever that contract was, $70, $80 million. And he's got to play on this little BS restricted free agent tender for like two, three million, yeah. whatever it is. Like, he's not going to be in a good place mentally. And he's going to be pushing for a trade. Now, we know the Patriots kind of don't, you know, they, they don't give a, you know what, about with how the player feels, but that's the only thing that I see about it is that, and, and, and not only with Malcolm Butler, but also in your own locker room, like the guys on the team also see that, you know, like, yeah. Oh, so he played all this time. Then you paid this other dude, you know, force him to play on this tender for nothing by NFL standards. And then next year, he's just going to, obviously he's going to walk cause he's going to be so upset. But so that's the only reason I could see them doing it. Is if they think, all right, this isn't a good look for us. But, you know, the Patriots don't care about players like that. So, No, but I, I will say this. If the Saints make that move, I could definitely see them doing something like maybe trading a guy like a Stephon Anthony plus a third-round pick oh, to get yeah. Malcolm Butler. Yeah. And like that taking place. As well as, you know, let's keep in mind, the Patriots traded Jamie Collins and Chandler Jones for like second- and third-round picks. So it's not like they're above, you know, doing it. I just think from a Saints standpoint, does it make sense to give up your third-round pick next year and you already are out of a second? Now, if they feel like Malcolm Butler is worth it and you're going to pay him $50 million according to what the reports are saying, then, I mean, you better damn well be sure Malcolm Butler is about to lock down one side of the field because we already know that bro has injury history. P.J. Williams, he's been drafted. He's been, he's, this will be his third year. He's only played one game, yeah. one full game in his career. Delvin Bro, for as good as he's been, has never played a full season. So now, you, you know, last year you had to count on guys like, you know, B.W. Webb, 
Sterling Moore and Ken Crowley. So I think if the Saints are gonna go, you know, if the Saints are gonna go, you know, after Malcolm Butler, you better damn well be sure you know what you're getting when you get him. Because if he goes down and you've already invested that much money and a third round pick, you're gonna look kind of bad. Especially when you know the only thing people will tell you is that PJ Williams has a lot of talent, Delvin Brothers a lot of talent. They just need to be healthy. We're about to find out. Yeah, they, they, uh, I can't believe the the luck they've had with corners in terms of not just injuries, but like these concussions where even if PJ Williams comes back and plays well, you know, even though he's a third year rookie basically, but uh, even if he comes back and plays well, if he gets another concussion, when you've had serious concussions like that, this is not just a sit out next week and then come back. That's if he gets another concussion, which is obviously easy to do in football, he might miss the rest of the season. Um, Agreed. You know, same with uh, Swan who might not even make it out of training camp. So, you know, it. They, even though they helped themselves with Lattimore and, you know, they got bro, they they really are right back where they started if they get an injury. You know, if they get an injury in camp or, or even at any point in the season, they're right back to Sterling Moore starting or, or Ken Crawley or whoever. They just got to hope that maybe Ken Crawley with the extra year of experience is better or whatever. I don't know. But yeah. they really will be right back where they started. That's why I think the Malcolm Butler deal isn't dead. For for all of the reasons you just laid out. PJ Williams, you know, God bless him, but you know, Sean Payton said it himself. One of the worst concussions he's ever seen in life. There was a defibrillator on the field when PJ PJ Williams got hit with that concussion against the uh in the second game of the season. So, anytime they pull out a defibrillator, it was pretty serious. Yeah. Damian Swan has had too many concussions for me to even think this dude plays. Uh, to be honest with you, I think he should call it quits. That's just a personal opinion of mine. I don't want to see him, you know, take another concussion and all of a sudden that just be the one that, you know, does him in. Or later on in life you find out he has, like, CTE or something like that because he suffered too many concussions and, you know, he just he wouldn't save himself from himself. So yeah. I think that's why the Butler deal isn't done. Sterling Moore is going to be a, you know, decent nickel, you know, corner, possibly, you know, a spot starter. They're really high on this guy, Jimmy Pruitt, who was an undrafted free agent that played, uh, you know, that, that they're trying to build up. I, I just, I can't see them counting on Jimmy Pruitt, Ken Crawley, and, and Devontae Harris if something happens. So yeah. uh, am, I, am I saying the Butler deal would definitely go down? No, but I'm just like you. I never thought it was going to go down prior to. I always thought it'd be after the draft. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of interesting because the Saints – I was I was shocked that they didn't sign a corner at some point, and, and I understand like the corners you want are all way too expensive, and then the corners that you know the rest of them are the corners you don't really want. So, I, 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 there's only two guys on the market right now. If if you're looking for corner, only two guys. I mean, yeah. you know, I think you're not gonna sign a guy like Darrell Rivas because I don't think he can play corner anymore. He's a safety. But the only two corners that are on the market now are Tracy Porter and Alteron Verner. Oh. Tracy Porter. <laughs> <laughs> to get him with that when he played, you know, he played healthy last year, but you know, you know, played pretty well, but you never know. He could revert back to being the same injury prone guy he was before. And Alteron Varner, maybe he was in a bad system in Tampa. Maybe he can come in and get more to that press man style that he likes to play. But when he was in Tampa, he was God awful. Those are the only two corners that are realistically you, you can sign right now. Yeah. I mean, I honestly could see them bringing back Tracy Porter because there's nothing the Saints like more than a family reunion. Like they love bringing old, old folks back no matter who they are yes, indeed. so i could see them doing that and, and honestly i wouldn't have a problem with it i'm not in love with tracy porter as a corner at least not at this point but um at the same time i'm more in love with him than i am ken crawley you know if, if something happens so yes. I, I, I don't know i don't know what they're gonna do because 
as as much as they have done to help their secondary, it's still it's real shaky if anybody gets hurt. If one dude goes down amongst the starters, like you are, except maybe safety where they always seem to have twelve of them. But other yeah, yeah, corner or now the one thing they did do at linebacker, which is I wish they could have done at corner, but I understand why they couldn't. Was they signed a bunch of bodies basically? They got Tao, they yeah. got the the, um, the kid from Carolina, all that. So now they're in a position where if one dude goes down, they're gonna be fine. They still got uh, what's his name, Curtis Robinson, who who uh, played pretty well last year. Craig Robinson, that's what it is. So, and the defensive line is actually looking kind of deep now. You know, they still we got to see what these rookies do in terms of who's gonna play on the other end and how Kikaha is gonna come back. But the defensive line with rank. Uh, Fairly, Ayamada, Tyler Davidson, Cam Jordan, you know, and then we'll see what these young boys do. But they, so everywhere really does on the defense does have better depth than last year, except the secondary, really. So it's just, you just got to hope that Bro and Lattimore stay healthy. If that happens, you know, they got a chance to be a surprise team this year. Absolutely, man. I mean, I mean, let's just look at it this way. The Saints, the entire year last year for 2016, did not play a single game. Finish, uh, let me say, finish a single game with the starting lineup that they wanted to try out, you know, coming out of training camp. Your first game of the season, you lose Delvin Bro. The second game of the season, you lose P.J. Williams. So it, it, they've never played a game with their starting corners, like a, a full game with their starting corners. So it, it'd, be, it'd be good to say that you can, you can try to kind of bank on health and just say, well, if they're healthy, they'll be a lot better. Because let's, let's look at the Oakland game, for example, from last year. The Saints had a 22-point lead on Oakland until Delvin Bro gets hurt. Yeah. All of a sudden now... Boom, 20, 22 points later, Oakland is, you know, going up for the two-point conversion and winning the game in which they should have actually lost. That could be the, that, that was a, a clear difference. You look at a guy like Ken Crowley in the, in the New York Giants game. He was a fingertip away from being able to make a play. I mean, and he's an undrafted free agent rookie trying to stick with Victor Cruz, and he's a fingertip away from the Saints. That's two games you should have won. So, I mean, you just look at those plays, and you're like, well, maybe if a healthy P.J. Williams is there or maybe if that's a healthy, you know, Delvin Bro. Saints win those games. So, I mean, it, it, it's easy to sit down if you're the Saints and kind of, you know, just poke your chest out a little bit and like, you know what, if we can just keep these guys healthy, it's the big difference. I honestly think being on airline could be a big difference between that. Yeah, that's very true. So, I guess we'll see, man, but um, I appreciate you, you know, you, you actually gave us uh, gave us an and one. We, we only expected you to give us a draft, but you gave us Pels, you gave us you know, Saints free agency. You gave us behind the scenes in the front office. So we appreciate it, man. You you uh you were as advertised. Appreciate that, man. Thank you guys for having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk sports with you know with good people, man. So, you know, just anytime you need me, give me a call, give me a shout, and hopefully I can clear up these hangout issues, man, and we'll be able to rock and roll a lot smoother next time. Cool, man. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good one, brother. Salute. All right, so that was Brian Bienemy, Brian T-R-N, or Brian T-N-R uh, on Twitter. So y'all follow him on Twitter. Uh, but we'll get back to the podcast. And uh, so we're going to talk a little LSU before we get out of here. So, uh, Chris, you are, uh, <coughs> you are our resident LSU expert. Uh, What's going on with the Tigers? Oh, man, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the draft, man, and what you, what you thought about uh, eight Tigers getting selected, man. Eight Tigers? Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm going to have to uh, edit that in. <laughs> <laughs>
just hope, man, he has a great well, career. I feel like LSU happy. wasted him a lot of bit. Like, that was – I've told you before many times, my only goal for LSU during Fournette's time was for him to win a Heisman. I had no other uh, – I mean, it would have been great for him to win a championship or whatever, but, you know, whatever. It, you, teams win championships all the time. You don't win Heismans all the time. Well, so. I mean, he was robbed the year before last, in my opinion. Yeah, that is I your mean, opinion. I mean, you give it to – who was it, Lacey? I mean, just because he – Wait, is that – No. No, that wasn't who won it. Who won it? Not not this year, but last year. His, Lacey, Eddie, his sophomore Eddie, year. Who? What Lacey are you talking about? Uh, what running back from Alabama? Derrick Henry. Oh man, I'm gonna need you to. I'm gonna need you to, to read a sports page before you. Man, come all on them this Al- Al- all them Alabama <laughs> running backs the same. Them short fat backs. Yeah. Well, hey man, don't talk about Mark Ingram like that. Mark Ingram is he in that category too. Mark Ingram is a generational talent, oh, and God. I love him and his earrings. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I mean, just because he had a Derrick Henry had a great run in the playoffs, that's what won in the Heisman. But if you look overall, Lindefon had the much better season. Well, yeah, he's a much better player. But you know, college, they almost seem like they purposefully um try to not pick the best player. Like it's almost like a thing with them. Like, oh, it doesn't matter. We're college. We don't care who the best player is. We don't care that everybody knows this dude's gonna be a pro bowler and this guy might not even make the league. We'll give it to Ken Dorsey anyway. Like that's <laughs> that's that's a college a NCAA thing. I don't That's know. That's true. So it's just part of their being backwards, which is what they like to do. So I got a question for you. What? What do you think about all the hoopla of uh, Saints not drafting LSU guys? You um, know, you had last year you had Deion Jones go to uh, Atlanta. This year you had Duke Riley. Then you got Quan Alexander at Tampa Bay, and then oh, they drafted. Wait a second. You have drafted. just reminded me of something, and I have to go off on Atlanta real quick. <laughs> Falcons, <laughs> or should I say fail cans, or fail cans, because you can't fail. Stop this. Stop the madness, okay? Stop trolling us by trying to take anybody who has a Louisiana connection, has a, a tie to New Orleans, or has ever visited New Orleans, trying to troll us. We know what you're doing. When we were watching the draft, was I think I was texting you, and I was like, they're going to take Duke Riley. And they were picking the pick right before, before the Saints. The Saints were going to take Duke Riley. Was this the third-round pick? It I think was. this was before we took uh, uh, Alex out, out of Florida. Florida. So yeah. we was taking the linebacker. So it was a good chance we would have taken Duke. And they would have picked right before us. And I was like, they're going to take Duke Riley. They're going to do this. They're going to do this because they hate us. They already they already uh, got Deion Jones last year. And they're going to do it. They're going to do it just because they're in front of us. Just because they're in front of us. And you can ask my wife, I screamed so loud when they did it. Before the pick, because I was like, don't do not do this. Don't do this. Don't be petty. Don't be petty. And they were petty. They were petty, and they took Duke Riley, and I'm upset with them. That's why they lost the Super Bowl. That is why they lost the Super Bowl. Because they're petty. They, they have no class, no style. They have no originality. Yeah, I didn't even think they really needed a linebacker, but I, 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 I kind of figured that they were going to take Duke. I was like, just because they knew the Saints were going to take Duke. What, what I do wonder, though, is like, where do they play Duke? Though? On the because, other side of Deion Jones. But you don't want to play him at strong side. Like, that's where, that's where you send Stephon Anthony to die. Like, you don't want to play him on the strong side. I mean, maybe the middle, but he's not he's that not big. big he's yeah. not that big to play the middle. In the but NFL. if you look at the way he's constructed that, that defense, they don't want to be big. They just want to be fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until 
Andres Pete and yeah. uh, and Larry Wolford gets on. That I'm match. actually eager to see that game. I want to see how many times the Saints run the mm-hmm. ball. Yeah, put Vic Beasley out there. Put him out there. Mm-hmm. Nobody on the line is less than. Well, I guess Unger is probably the lightest around three ten. But if you go back to what Brian said, if you look at the way they the Saints built their team in 09, doesn't it kind of look like Atlanta's trying to build their team that way? No. A high-powered no. offense. No positive. And they score a lot of points. Nope. And then they put you in bad situations Mm-mm. to where you got to throw the ball. Nope. And they pass rushes and fast outside linebackers. No, Get after I don't you. see it. I don't see it. I don't see anything positive about the Falcons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not rooting for Atlanta at all. Well, I'll say this because I, I know some. I heard some like writers making that point during the season, like comparing them to the '09 Saints. Um, maybe, maybe I get it because the defense was just kind of shaky, mm-hmm. but but could get after you a little bit, and the offense was 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 what it was. So I, I get the comparison, but I mean they have Matt Ryan at quarterback. That's the difference. I mean, Matt Ryan, he would. I mean, if you gave Matt Ryan, like just hypothetically, if you gave Matt Ryan a 21-point lead in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl with like four or five minutes left to go, I think he would lose that game, hypothetically. That's a fact. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. See, so I was right. I was right. Matt Ryan's a bum. So, I don't know. What do you think about the Bucks, man? They had a pretty good offseason. Drafted well. I mean, they're all their receivers and tight ends. They have a freaking huge. Yeah, they have a great basketball team. I don't know how it's going to work in football, but you know, I just say go for the knees. That's what you're doing. Go for the knees. (laughs) That's kind of messed up. (laughs) (laughs) No, but the Bucks. I actually did like that draft. I mean, especially OJ Howard. That was a player I wanted to say. I mean. it was a player the Saints could have gotten if they didn't draft so poorly Trust in me, the past. If he would have fell to about 30, 31, 32, there is no way Sean Payton wasn't pulling the trigger. And be like, yeah, we think uh, he can rush the passer too. <laughs> no way. He's passing up on that. Yeah, so but I knew he wasn't gonna fall that far. And uh so so yeah, that that he is a good player. And the Bucks did well getting him and pairing him with Mike Evans and yeah. uh Deshaun Jackson. We'll see if James can hit all those guys. Yeah, that, that, that remains to be seen. That, that's, so, that's actually a good point. But, I mean, they, they got some pass catchers. I did want to leave with this, man. I had an interesting question for you. How do you think Tredavious White is going to fit in Buffalo? Tredavious I mean, White in Buffalo. You know, I would have rather seen him go to Pittsburgh. I'd rather see him go anywhere it wasn't so damn cold. Yeah. That's you think gonna that's going to be a factor for him? Yeah, man. I'd be a bust. You sent me to, the, to like, Green Bay. Or anywhere that has a Green Bay like uh, weather, it could even be an indoor place. Remember uh, Minnesota? Like, it could be Minnesota, but I would be so cold going to the game, I would play like trash. But no, the the uh, Buffalo always seems to have some solid little corners, so I think I think he'll be fine there if he can. you think it'll be one of them situations where he could be really, really, really good, but they suck so bad that you just never hear from him? Well, I mean, that happens to everybody in Buffalo. Like, look at Marshawn Lynch. Nobody barely knew who he was outside of fantasy uh, before he went to Seattle. But, um, no, I mean, I think he'll be fine. I think he's going to do probably best in the slot, especially early on, and then he can work his way to some other stuff from there. But, um, no, he'll be be fine. He'll be fine out there. I don't have no – I don't have any issues with him. What's, what's the other LSU corner? Uh, not that came out this year. There's another guy there right now who's oh, really good. Uh, Ron Brooks? Is that him? 
That's a that guy. was a couple of years ago. That's a dude. He was able to stick in the league. I'm kind of surprised he stuck this long. Really? Yeah. He was playing at LSU, man. Yeah, he did. I mean, they had a lot of good players. I mean, but you, James Wright is stuck in the league. and I mean, just. Who did Beckwith go to? Tampa. Tampa? So they got yeah, Quan Alexander God, and Beckwith. What is. <laughs> All these LSU guys going to the South. <laughs> is this what I. Is this what. I've had a problem for so long with players that I like coming in this I division. know, man. <laughs> like, Michael Vick came in into the division. I love Michael Vick, but I had to hate him because he was with the Falcons, and I don't like anything about the Falcons. Can't say anything positive about them under any circumstances <laughs> whatsoever. So, I had to hate Mike Vick for years and years until finally he went to jail and allowed me to become a fan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. Like, I follow Duke Riley on Twitter, but... When he got drafted by Atlanta, he was tweeting all this Atlanta shit. And I was like, yeah. ooh, had to hit the unfollow, yeah, dog. Yeah, I can't follow it. Not going to be able to do it. <laughs> Not going to be able to do it. <laughs> oh, man. So, like, Cam, I love Cam. Yeah. To this day, I love Cam. But I always got to pull against Cam because he plays in, in my division. At least you don't have to root against Leonard. And then Jameis. Yeah. I love Jameis, too. Right? I, even with that cheesy smile. Like, when he stole those crab legs, I didn't judge him like everybody else judged him. I asked how good are the crab legs. He thought they were free, man. Don't don't guys get thought free they stuff? Were, they were free. Somebody hated on them, though. Well, you know, just get free stuff. Yeah, I don't so, see wrong with that. But, nah, they just have so many players in the division that I like. Yeah. And I hate when the players do it. And this is why I was just so happy that Leonard went to Jacksonville. Yeah. Like, that was the happiest moment of the draft for me. I was like, great. Because I did not want to face him yeah, in camp. Yeah, I have yeah. no reservations about facing Cam and uh, McCaffrey. And McCaffrey, whatever, McCaffrey. I don't care. Yeah. Go back to the 90s uh, when, you, when your dad was good. You think Dupree makes the team? Um, Draft the six picks Oh, from Malachi? And Green Bay. And Green Bay. So, Green Bay has, they have Jordy, Cobb, uh, Devontae Adams. Adams. There's another guy, Montgomery. Yeah, Ty Montgomery. And so, there's only one spot open. And then there was another little guy. He was a white receiver. Uh, but he's pretty good. Uh, fourth, fifth receiver. I mean, I can't remember oh, his okay. name. I just remember seeing him early in the year, uh, and he may he may have ended up getting hurt. So, but he's got a chance to make the roster. It, for, there's one spot available. My biggest issue with Dupree is he, you know, he he's never been able to get off a jam. His route running is not that good. But I mean, really, and he's inconsistent catching the ball. So yeah. like <laughs> everything yeah. you want from a receiver. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But how much of that do you think is the blame for LSU? Because you know, they've had he's had two different coaches and neither one of them has been able to get any more production out of him. Like I think most of it is due to to them. I mean, now you can't say all that, right? Because guys like Landry and Beckham developed and even developed as route runners and all that. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly though, when you're an LSU receiver, there's so little to do that you probably should you should get great at running routes. Like you, that's all you're doing is running routes. Nobody's throwing you the ball. So you just kind of practicing running different directions, but that's actually one big thing a lot of uh, scouts say about LSU: all their receivers can run the route tree. Well, because they run pro style routes, but they just don't ever throw the ball. Yeah, <laughs> so there's that. But 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 for but everybody's not going to be like that. Those guys are kind of outliers. Like I think there's certain guys who really would need the development of somebody throwing them 50 passes a year, you know, and and being because. For some guys, to get better at it, 
they need you to throw. It's like, well, why am I getting better at it when I'm not going to get the ball? Why, why do I need to run this crisp, skinny post? Like, there's n- nobody on the yeah. roster that can even get the ball down there. So, <laughs> what's the point? Um, so, I think some guys need to be pushed in, in that way. And I think they could have done better by him and Darrell, really. I think Darrell... I really, think he's going to be a sleeper. Oh, I think he's going to be a sleeper. And I think LSU really hurt him. Um, like, Dupree, I don't know. He wasn't as good as advertised anyway. Which, when you think about it, makes sense. He came out of Curtis, right? They and they don't throw yeah. the ball. And then he goes to LSU where they don't throw the ball. And so it makes sense that he's not developed as a receiver, that his hands are inconsistent, that he runs weird routes, that he can't get off the press. Because that's not something he's had to do a whole lot of. Um, he was and, so bad mid-year. They had to move him to the slot. To the slot. Well, there was one coach. I can't even remember who it was. But uh, you know how the broadcasters will meet with the coaching staff bef- the, the week before, before the game? Okay. And then they'll talk about what the staff said. And one thing they said about Dupree was that, yeah, he's six whatever he is, but he plays much smaller. Smaller than that. They're like, he, they don't. He's not the kind of big receiver that you can throw it up to or throw a back shoulder to or anything like that. No, he's like he plays way smaller than that. It's not like he's gonna win a bunch of jump balls. So uh, I forget what they were doing in that game, but some some part of the game plan had to do with um, not worrying about. I about, feel like that's all about they did with Durrell last year was just. Run down the field, we throw you the ball, like yeah. jump balls. I mean, they didn't really have anything. They tried to treat him like they tried to do Beckham yeah. back when he was there. Um, it worked for a little while, but uh, then he had some injuries and, and all that. But but I think Darrell, is, he has a chance to be – he's way better, in my opinion. I like him better than Coleman already. Brandon Coleman. You, really? you think Coleman makes the team? No, this is it for Coleman. This is it for Coleman. This is – Coleman needs to enjoy his last few months as an NFL player. Because he's going to get cut and nobody's picking him up. He's going to be the less miles of, of uh, fifth receivers in the league. So uh, so I think he's got a shot to take his spot. The, the only thing Coleman has over him is he's taller, but he never uses that size. So yeah. it's not really – so unless he turns that on. And how long has Coleman been there? Four years now? Yeah. Saints give some dudes some long leash. Maybe that's why they brought in Durrell. Anyway, I like Durrell. I'm pulling for him to make the team. I am, man. I am. <clears throat> he he's better than uh, Tommy Lee Lewis, who they I don't even who, why they even kept that dude last year. Like they didn't throw him the ball. He wasn't great at returning. So what's the point? And he's five seven. You think Kamara's gonna return kicks? I hope so. I think that's one of the reasons they got him to put some juice in the return game. But they didn't get my Bay Josh Dobbs quarterback, man. No, he went to Pittsburgh. Yeah, y'all gonna see. Y'all gonna see. He's gonna sit behind Ben this year. Next year he's gonna be he's gonna be all that in the bag of bag of uh I don't know what, what bag I was uh, you referencing. That. You don't believe that. Hmm? You don't believe that. Yeah, I do. No, you don't. Man, I like Dobbs, man. I like Dobbs and I like Peterman. I forgot where Peterman went. Did but, he, uh, he got drafted? Yeah, he got drafted. But not by the Saints, so it doesn't matter. But But that just lets me know that they're gonna definitely take a quarterback next year. No, it doesn't. Yeah. No, it doesn't. I mean, I want them to sign like I would. I would like Kaepernick to be the to be the back. And I know that's sacrilegious because Kaepernick's not the kind of quarterback. Like he doesn't necessarily not the first name that comes comes to mind. Yeah, the first name offense. really is Johnny Manziel. That's really the first name. That comes I mean, you don't think Chase, you don't think Colin Kaepernick could be better as a backup than Chase Daniel? I do. Well then, let's do this. 
Well, uh, most most owners don't want him because they don't like his political views. But our owner doesn't even rem- remember political views. So right. We'll, <laughs> so we can do whatever we want. <laughs> I think they signed Johnny Menzel. Give him a, a no, year no, 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 no. How disappointed are you in Speedy Noel? How he just wasted his career away at Texas A&M. You know, totally off subject. You know, I'm kind of. Uh, I remember when he signed with them, because that was the same year Fournette came yeah. to. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I remember when he signed with him with A and M instead of LSU, and I was upset with him. But then I stopped being upset because I was like, "Well, you're gonna go into a passing team, and I understand LSU's offense." And from that perspective, he was right. But then he just didn't do anything. Anything, anything. Him, neither Ricky Seal Jones got drafted. Neither one of he them. He didn't get drafted. Neither one of them got drafted. Wow, he's a hell of an athlete. I know he's soft as a honey bun, but uh, you think someone's out? Some no man, and them man, they can talk all that trash. They they know who they are, and they know they're not. Look, it's a great program, but it's not one of the top programs. It's that next level. I mean, I don't even know who they would bring in. I think Summers done fine. Like, what did you expect? What did A and M do before Summers? They expected a national championship the year they well, beat Alabama. Well, stop expecting that. When you got Johnny Menzel, you just expect them things. Now I see why Summers was. Uh, <clears throat> Was was uh, in a hurry to get Menzel out of there though? Why? Cause he's a knucklehead. Won him some games though. He got him he that did. contract. He, you know what? You're actually right. <laughs> so if he wasn't for Johnny Menzel, he might not even be there anymore. Yeah, that's true. He He'd be a, an assistant on Charlie Strong's staff right now. But I mean, who would Chip Kelly? He bring in Chip Kelly. That's the same way they are now. All offense and no defense. When I don't out. think Chip Kelly. Where is Chip Kelly? At the he, house. Chip? <laughs> I was surprised he didn't go back to uh, Oregon because they hired their coach. Well, the Tyler. guy, the guy who got fired at Oregon, who used to be his old Helfrich. Yeah, he used to be his old OC. Tried to, when he knew he was getting about to get fired. Boy, he wanted that job, LSU job, so bad. Well, the OC job. Yes, I bet he did. I kind of, I borderline, I, I borderline wanted him. Did you? And the reason why is because of the. The book on him, and I don't know if this is true, but the book on him is that he's a a Wade Phillips, like a, a coordinator that's for whatever reason not cut out to be a head, head coach, coach, but can but is a good coordinator. And I mean, we saw what he did under Kelly, and so I I just felt like he would stay longer than Canada because Canada, uh, yeah, like don't... from from this stuff I've heard other coaches around the country say, they're like. Basically, everybody thinks he's one of the top coordinators in the country. And, you know, you probably only get two years out of that. Well, I, Helfer seems like a dude who might just be lifer. A li- yeah, a lifetime OC at this point. Like, I had my shot at being a head coach. Now I'm going to just be OC. I think it may be more than two for Canada just because I think this is going to be a wash. I don't, I don't see them competing really in the West. You got your quarterback. He had back surgery. That ain't it. Show you how much they don't give a shit about Danley Edwards. <laughs> they know his back was jacked up. And the spring game was live contact. Like, he got a 15-yard rough in the pass of penalty. Like, they were knocking him down and stuff. Like, they don't care about Danley Edwards. They, they probably kn- told him to go, let get him, man. We're trying to get him. He's a senior, so we don't want to, like, you know, we don't want to just put a freshman in front of him. But, you know. It's- the Monday after the spring game, this dude had back surgery. The Monday after the spring game. And then they asked Coach all about him. He like, oh yeah, he'll be all right. I think, you think so? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Should be, should be back. Mm-hmm. Y'all, y'all watch the fight. 
But I just think this year is going to be a wash, man. I, I don't see it. I think they – I think once they get Brennan on our season there, I think that's going to be the start of next year. Yeah. Coach O said <clears throat> the most talented quarterback on the roster right now is Narcisse. He said he's just erratic with his throws, a couple high throws. Um, and a couple wild throws. He just got to work on his accuracy, but like for his arm strength and athletic ability, he said he's the most quarter, the most talented quarterback they have on the roster. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think if it was me, I just you're not gonna win anything. Like they're gonna get slaughtered when they go to Alabama. I just want you to know that. You think so? Oh my God! Nick gonna have about what six weeks of film on them? Man, that don't matter. That don't matter because. It's not about the film that he has. It's about the fact that you have to make the players think in the moment. Well, you got to think. What what has been Alabama's weakness? A mobile quarterback. Yeah. Danny Edling is not. And then coming off. I don't think Danny Edling is even. I don't think he's going to start the season. You don't? No. I don't think he's going to be the starter (laughs) on day one. (laughs) That's interesting. I'm not saying he won't start at all during the year because we don't know if any of these dudes can play. But I don't think he's going to be the starter. Really? No, like think about it. If you go through the spring, and this was an opportunity I think they were giving him as a senior to like pull as away a, as from... a previous year starter, you give him the first shot. Like okay, you get spring. When they come back in fall, it's gonna be. I, I don't think he's gonna be. I don't even think he's gonna be taking the first team reps. No shit. Yeah, I think it's gonna be either Narcisse or McMillan or maybe Lindsey Scott. Although I haven't heard anything about him. Yeah, I, they said it. The thing that bothers me is that for everything I've heard from everybody reporting, different reporters on Twitter and everything, Justin McMillan is more accurate than Danny Edling. Yeah. And it was like the only reason why they were going with Edling was because of the experience. Yeah. So that kind of worries me that this younger kid is more more accurate than you are when you're supposed to be the senior. Well, it doesn't it doesn't bother me though because I mean, we knew what Edling was when he came in from Purdue, right? We knew he was just a average quarterback. Clearly he was smart cuz he knew <laughs> he knew where he could go and finally start <laughs> if he couldn't start at Purdue. But um so he he he's got something rolling around between his ears. But you know, he's not that he's Curtis, not that great. He's Curtis not a dog on Madden too. He probably is a dog on Madden. He's a dog on the field too, but just uh. not the right kind of dog. Kind of like that mangy dog you find at SPCA, <laughs> but uh, but but yeah. So I just I just don't see it. Like if you don't grab the 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 starting job out of spring, yeah, you know, then it's not your job. <laughs> that's true. You know, that's that's how it works basically on every level other than NFL because they don't really have a spring. But Coach will say he was very disappointed at Edlin. Yeah, so it don't sound uh, don't sound too good for him. We'll see, man, who takes them first reps against BYU. Yeah. But I think, I think if Narcisse can work on his accuracy, maybe this time off. I mean, because Coach O was like, man, he is just no question he's the most talented quarterback. Yeah. Coming off an ACL tear, he's the most talented quarterback on the roster. You think You think McMillan is like, should I put in my transfer papers now or, <laughs> or should I wait? I think he's going to wait because I think, like you said, I think if Ellen has a – Stink up the first half or first quarter. Like, if he does get the start and he stinks up the first quarter or first half and LSU's 7-3 or 3-6 or something like that, I think they'll pull him. Yeah. I think they'll put McMillan in. So, I think he'll stick around this year to see. <clears throat> but if you you know if you know have any hope of competing, uh, Edley's not your guy. He's a game manager. 
He's not going to win you a game. You know, he's, he's not but, gonna... but here's why I think you start McMillan or just some other guy to start the season because those first few games are when you can actually get his feet wet yeah. and get him in live action and get the, the jitterbugs out. Get him Before. Used to playing football again. I mean, been on the bench for Before a year. Before you get to the Florida and yeah. Alabama and, and so Auburn. And so that's why I think Edling's not going to start the season because you can always go back to Edling and you know what you got, you know? He's not like he's going to change that much from what we've seen in the past. But with the whoever the starter might be, at least you can get him a game against BYU, against whatever other, you know, inferior competition they play those first usually two, three weeks of yeah. the season. So I think that – because that's a point where, all right, you know you're not going to lose the game if he's right. off. like you can, Or you can always replace him at halftime if he throws two, three picks in the first half or something. You still probably win the game just by running the ball. But uh, but yeah, so you don't want to get into SEC and then be like, okay, McMillan, get your feet like they did, yeah. like they did Brandon Harris against Auburn. Yeah, exactly. Like on the road, I was like, really, y'all? <laughs> like y'all gonna put this man on the road? What they lost fifty two to three or something yeah, like that? Yeah. Like you put him in that kind of environment, his first start as a what, freshman or a sophomore. Yeah. I'm like, really? <laughs> that's yeah, that's tough, I mean. man. So yeah, I think that's what the way they're going. Now, the more interesting thing is what, what's going on with Arden Key. Oh man, don't worry about it. He uh, he uh, he tweeted out after that shit went viral that he was joking. So he sent out another tweet. He was like, "I was just messing around. I'm gonna be ready for for fall camp." See, I take you off my draft board for that. <laughs> I take you off my draft board. Like, what you messing around with, man? What you messing around with? I got one for you though, man. Here's something that you probably never heard in a long time. Who is going to be LSU's running back next year? Because Darius Geis is gone. After this year, he's already said he's not coming back. Oh man, they have a Thundercat. I, I, they got a couple backs they're bringing in right now. Some rookies, no commitments. Oh man, don't, don't worry about that. When till they see Geis Heisman? They let the number one running back in the in the state leave. He committed to uh, UCLA last week. Let him go. But they didn't even offer him. Let him go. They offered yeah. some other cats. He was terrible. I don't even know who this kid is, but, but he you was know, terrible. I, I guess I'm not used to this. You know, I'm used to. You already know, like, well, next year, like, we knew when Fournette left, yeah. it's guys. You know, when Hill and all them guys, you knew who was next. And it's like, like. Well, like, I think even Damian, Damian, is it Damian Williams that's behind Darryl him? Darrell Williams. He's Darryl Williams. He's gone. Boy, he dropped, like, 25 pounds. Yeah. He looked like a completely different right. He was toting that thing. Yeah, I, I read about him. Somebody wrote about, Man. like, he had got finally got back in shape. Yeah, was. he said his mama called him fat, and that's when he knew he had to lose weight. Yeah, when your mom was criticizing you. When your mom was criticizing you, it's time to change. <laughs> it's time to change. But he looks good, man. He he's number two. I don't know who's number three, man. I mean uh, it was supposed to be Brissett and and Langer Fournette, but Brissett hadn't impressed anybody. Like he ain't that good. Yeah. So I don't know. I did bring in some five star rookie. Cam should have committed. Cam Akers. Instead of going fucking Florida State, I don't know. What but I understand doing. he wanted to he wanted to go wherever Jimbo was. So that's why he was like, if Jimbo would have went to LSU, I would have committed to. LSU. He wanted to play for Jimbo. I get it. Whatever, man. I, I don't get it. What's so great about Jimbo? Oh, Ryan Anderson just hit a three. Wow, I haven't seen that in a long time. Well, I mean, we. I hope they lose. We wanted him. Hmm. We wanted him. He just wanted King's ransom. Who? Ryan Anderson? No. Oh. I'm, I, I kind of got off the subject. Cam Akers, yeah. No. Oh, what, what's happening? Jimbo. Oh, Jimbo, yeah. 
<clears throat> yeah, I'm paying attention completely. But you know what? We had him. Not last year, but the year before last. Yeah, but you know what? I'm glad they didn't get Jimbo. So you want it over? No. But <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad they didn't get Jimbo, though. Like, I don't know. It's just, it, it kind of felt felt like paying too much. Yeah, like, I agree. He, he I agree. wanted all this stuff, and then. He wanted to pay, pay, yeah. pay more than saving. And it just feels like in sports, when you pay way too much, it never works out. Yeah. Like with a player, with a coach. When you oh now Ryan Anderson just threw an air ball good now that's the Ryan Anderson I know and love, and yes I'm petty, <laughs> and here's Patty Mills future Pelicans point guard coming in if we can get Houston a meeting. Spurs game one playoffs on right now Dell Demps can pe- get a meeting. Oh God now they're showing Eric Gordon it's time to get back to talking, but uh yeah man so uh, yeah I don't know who they'll bring in uh, but they'll but, find somebody. I'm just worried because I'm like, that means you're starting running back next year is going to be a true freshman. That's fine. That's fine. They got plenty of true freshmen that that, that can do some things. I'm going to tell you, man, keep your eye on Grant Delphit. He is like – Oh, the safety? Yes. Let's move the running back. Probably could. I mean, he's just freaking all over the field. Like, he's like Jamal Adams like right now. Like, he's yeah. ready. Yeah. Like, he's ready. Like, Coach O. Where is he from? Houston. Yeah. Coach O was like, yeah, he's starting. Like, in the spring, he's like, yeah, he's going to be starting. You know, when LSU recruits a Houston dude, I secretly pretend that he's from New Orleans. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, most of them live out there anyway. Yeah, because somebody was telling me today, oh, yeah, you know Jamal Adams from Houston. I was like, no, he's not. Nigga went to St. Aug. What you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what you talking about? <laughs> what you talking about? But, I mean, good. they pull out of Houston just like they're pulling out of New Orleans. Yeah, that's I true. I mean, they don't get no competition. Well, I'm just amazed. I mean, but they go straight for the top in Houston. Yeah, I mean, they don't even. They just look at who's the five-star. Yeah, and they're like, hey, <laughs> come on. But I get up to Corey Raymond, man. He be, he be doing his thing, man. He be having them dudes ready, man, for the NFL. Like, and I mean, he just pull it out and show them. Yeah. Long lineage of DBs. In the league, I mean, why fuck wouldn't you want to play for that nigga? Yeah. Yeah, so. Oh, man. They all recruited Texas. In, yeah. In Houston. The, the Texas, like a lot of their fans were real upset about that. Like the fact that uh, O, because, you know, O and Herman yeah. started at the same time. Or really, Herman started a little before him. And um, officially started before yeah. him. I know O was still employed with the team, but. But yeah, but uh, yeah, he got Kason out Ooh, of there. He is, he's who they were really trying. Like Texas was pushing yeah. hard to get him, and um, so they got him. And, and, and I didn't think they were gonna get him actually. <laughs> I didn't either. It came down to the last day. Yeah, I didn't. And think I didn't they think they were gonna, they were get, gonna him. get him either. So yeah, I don't know. That is the the. I don't know how <laughs> old does it, but that's his thing. Yeah, like, man. he he somehow recruits. I don't like he didn't, he hasn't come off to me like a guy who if he walked in my living room I'd be like oh my god mom. <laughs> Where's the paper? But they, but yeah, I mean, but he must, he must be a, they must be telling him something. Yeah, man. Yeah. Because uh, it's not like LSU's the only school that can tell him, well, we can send you to the league. They are currently yeah. ranked number two. The class is ranked number two behind they, Miami. I mean, their class is almost done. It is, and, and, and the season it, hadn't started. They put it together in like a week and a half. <laughs> the season hadn't even started. <laughs> But you know how those classes are, though. You start yeah, losing. Yeah, you start losing kids. Like, uh, uh, I'm going to open my commitment at this time. <laughs> God bless LSU for giving me the opportunity. <laughs> you know, but we'll see, man. But, I mean, I've been impressed. Like, I was like, what the hell are we doing when we hired him? But I've been impressed with what he's done. I I can't 
knock what he's done, you know? Well, if he's if he sticks to the formula of recruiting well and hiring the best people, you, it's really hard to go wrong. To fuck it up. It's really, yeah. really hard to go wrong as long as you follow that formula. And he's at LSU. They, he's always going to have the budget to get the best people. Yeah. And he's, uh, you know, he's he's in Louisiana and right next to Texas, so he's always going to have the players. But I and like so, I like, so he should be able to keep it going. I mean, Les Miles could still be be there if he wasn't so stubborn. stubborn. I like what he's done, you know, with putting up a fence. You know, like, I mean, they're they racking up in Louisiana. I mean, yeah. they're getting kids, you know, like Bama offer them. They have already committed to LSU by the time Bama has offered them. Like, a lot of those kids. Well, you know? I knew they were going to do well when the recruiter they brought in spoke about himself in the third person. You talking about Mickey? Mickey Joseph. <laughs> Mickey Joseph. They hired Mickey Joseph. He, from New he went to Shaw. He from New Orleans. Oh, well, that's the only <laughs> knock on him. But, but, uh, but yeah, they signed, for those who don't know, they signed Mickey <laughs> Joseph to be their running backs coach, although he's really just a recruiter for them. But um, <laughs> and, and they were saying that, oh, some people, maybe they might lock LSU out because they fired the previous guys yeah. and, and they had a relationship with him. And this dude was like, shut out Mickey Joseph? <laughs> No, nah, they're not going to shut out Mickey, Mickey Joseph. Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe we'll be all right. Maybe we'll be all right. We got Mickey Joseph. And nobody shuts out Mickey Joseph. He, he went got, to the meeting and squashed it. Yeah, he went to the meeting and squashed it with his two first names. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. But So, I mean, we, we covered a lot so yeah, far. Anything else you want to? We, we covered Pels, Saints, LSU. LSU. I mean, that's pretty much it, man. I mean, you, you, unless you want to talk Tulane baseball. I, pass. I don't they even did, want to talk. They did LSU. just sweep LSU. I don't even want to talk LSU baseball. Nah, nobody wants to talk baseball. They've been such a letdown. So I don't know. When you want to come back? Uh, we can come back in maybe in a couple of weeks and do a follow up. Uh, when training camp start? Uh, that's a while. They got. I, they, I think mini camp starts. Yeah, like, I mean mini camps. Not yeah, like camp. next week or something. So you we can do something after that and get some initial reports from all the guys on the media and see what everybody's talking about. Yeah, come back in maybe a week or two. Well, I'm also hoping. Against all hopes that the Pelicans can finally make a uh, decision, or, yeah, or if that comes down first, yeah. we can we can do something after that. Like because they are killing me right now. Like come on, this man. purgatory. Well, it's just like let me know what's gonna happen. If they're staying, I'm okay. I mean, fine. there's been nothing. Yeah, just let me know. <laughs> just say, hey, these guys are staying. Don't worry about it. Or at least everybody can get past the initial reaction. Yeah. So and I and and I, and I can stop you know fantasizing about Jeff Van Gundy. <laughs> You know, his shiny, bald, coaching head. <laughs> so, but all, all right, man, another, another good one. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, share it on uh, share it on whatever social you have. Uh, also, out. leave a review. It's on iTunes. It's on uh, Google Play, SoundCloud, all that stuff. You shouting out somebody? Shout out to Brian, man. Good guest today. Yeah, Getting man, shout out to Brian, man. He was great. It was great, man. I can tell the guy's very passionate about his sports. Hey, man, he's got deep NOLA sports knowledge, man. He was going, he was going back... A ways. Yeah. Some of those well, saw, I was like, wow. I was like, yeah, I forgot I like, that dude was on the team. <laughs> <laughs> so he definitely knew what he was talking about. Although he did uh, suggest that we bring in Chandler Parsons, so I have to respectfully disagree on that one. But, <laughs> but you know, you can't you can't bat a thousand, right? He batted Beans and cornbread had a fight. Beans, Beans not cornbread out of sight. Beans. Cornbread said, Now that's all right. Beans. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. I'll be ready.